like well it's respectable but like respectable is not my business <laughs> that doesn't excite me being respectable what i want to you know i want to do good i want my kids to be like wow dad you were the best at something Hey there, friends. Welcome back to the Happy Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew. On this podcast, as you will know, I like to talk health and well-being every Monday and Thursday. And would you believe we're up to episode number 334 now? Yes, astonishing stuff. Uh, thanks in no small measure to your continued support. And uh, we've been going for the last three and a bit years at this stage. Uh, do feel free to check out some of the great interviews in the archive and lots of terrific discussions about subjects that will help make you become a better version of yourself. And free is the operative word because it'll cost you absolutely nothing to like, subscribe and share with friends and family and to leave the podcast a positive review. Talking of interviews, I'm joined once more by someone who is such an inspiration. His name is Sean Conway. He is an endurance athlete, adventurer and world record holder. He completed the ultimate triathlon whereby he swam, he ran and he cycled the length of the UK. He's also registered the fastest time to bike from one end of Europe to the other, covering a distance of 4,000 miles. And his latest achievement involved breaking the world record for the most consecutive Ironman distance triathlons in a row. He managed a ridiculous 105 in 105 days consecutively. I'm breathless just reading that out. If I can welcome you to the podcast, Sean, and let's start by asking you, where did all of this start? Where did your obsession with pushing your boundaries begin? Well, that answer could be 25 minutes long, to be fair. Um, so <laughs> I'll make it shorter. Um, so the long story short is I used to be a photographer and then landed up, instead of being this sort of world-traveling National Geographic photographer, I landed up being a school portrait photographer. Uh, and I did that for nearly 10 years and it made me miserable because all it did was give me money, really. Um, there was zero other fulfillment outside of it. And... Um, I also didn't appreciate in my 20s the importance for me to chase things, whatever it is. It's, you know, a hobby. At the moment, it's it's yoga. I'm, I, I've just decided that maybe yoga is good for me. I did one yoga session on YouTube and was terrible. Honestly, terrible. You'd think I'd be quite fit. Oh, I was shaking. I was falling over. I can't do any of the poses. And that for me is like catnip. Once, if I'm crap at something, I just, I want to be good at it, you know, and uh, not everything. This, I mean, I've tried to learn a million different musical instruments and, and that's never stuck with me. But certainly from a physical point of view, I, I, that gets me trying to be good at something physically. Um, so I sold my photography company for a pound. So you can see behind me there, there's a Jersey pound note framed on my wall behind me. Because uh, my business partner was from Jersey. And when I sold my shares to him, that's what he gave me a pound. And then that frame cost four quid. So it's <laughs> minus three pounds. And then I was like, right, well, I want to go traveling. But I just, I don't, you know, I just didn't want to travel, travel for the sake of traveling. I, I get frustrated and bored and like it wasn't for me. So I thought, right, let, what if I attach some random world record to something that might give me something to chase in life? 
Um, so that was the so that was in 2011 sold the business and 2012 was the first round the world bike race that Vin Cox had uh, sort of was the brainchild behind um, and that just it just piqued my interest you know I'd actually I'd really thought of maybe cycling around the world before I heard about the race um, and I thought well a I get to travel B if it's a race and I'm going for a record maybe I'll get some sponsorship and they'll pay for it basically uh because i certainly wasn't in the position to pay for it myself um and yeah that that kind of was it really i sort of got into it because i was a little bit skint i wanted to do something interesting uh i wanted to challenge myself physically and mentally like there was a lot of parts to the jigsaw that sort of all came together at the age of 30 uh when i had that sort of first midlife crisis i say first because there's undoubtedly going to be a second one at some point <laughs> i have started looking at motorbikes on ebay so caroline's pretty worried <laughs> so yoga and motorbikes and what you're in your early 40s now yeah 42 now so yeah i'm due i'm due another one i reckon i'm due another one <laughs> <laughs> Well, if, if we can go back to your most recent achievement, because I was watching you daily online and you were updating uh, this extraordinary um, escapade that you went on that lasted 105 days. If we can just paint the picture for people, first of all, though, what is an Ironman triathlon in terms of distances? And then how do you string all of those together then to get the, the world record of 105 and 105 yeah. consecutive days? <clears throat> so the first thing with, well, so the distances are, uh, there's four types of triathlon. There's sprint, Olympic, half, full. And Ironman are the company that are the most popular for doing the full. So, you know, everyone says, oh, I've done 105 Ironmans, but sort of, I actually haven't done an Ironman because that's a, a, an official event. But I have done the distance that is the same as an Ironman. Um, and so that's a 2.4 mile swim, so 3.9k swim, 112 miles on the bike, 180.2 kilometers, and then a marathon at the end, so 26 mile, 26.2 mile or 42.2k uh, run at the end of it. And you've got to do that officially in a calendar day with no stops. So you, what you couldn't do is wake up at midnight, do the swim, go back to bed for a few hours, then do the bike. And also, it wouldn't work logistically. I don't think that way. You need the full the full block of sleep to make sure you get good sleep. I think, I think sleep experts might say maybe splitting your sleep up into two sessions might be good. But I, for me, I don't think it would work. Um, and you're not allowed to for the rules anyway. So you've got mid the calendar day to do each one, and there's no averaging on this one. So, for example, there's two type of marathon records, as it were. So you could you could average. A marathon a day for 100 days or you could do an actual marathon a day for 100 days and those are two very different records because technically you could do double marathon for 25 days have three weeks rest and do a double marathon for another 25 days and you'll be a averaged 100 over yeah. 100 days um so this one there's no averaging if i miss the cutoff um which is actually so the midnight to midnight is the 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 official one but 17 hours is sort of what the internet thinks you should be doing it under anyway because that's what an iron man cutoff is and truthfully they're right you, you can't be anywhere near the 17 hours anyway it's not sustainable you've got to be quick enough to get a, enough recovery to go quick again otherwise you just you go on a downhill spiral so um 
so yeah so you've got you've got 17 hours to do the 2.4 the 112 and the 26.2 and then you go to bed uh eat go to bed wake up and do it again basically and you've got no rest days you if you miss a cut off by one mile at the end of the run it's game over you you can't sort of make up that mile you know let, let's say i got to one minute past midnight and i still had 500 meters left on the run it's it's that's it it's your, your tickets and your challenge is over so yeah you really are fighting to stay in the game every single day you got to tick all the boxes of endurance and there's 10 of them uh which is planning experience fitness health food water or nutrition hydration sleep muscle management motivation and community you got to nail all 10 of those every single day in order to keep it sustainable for a long period you know if you're doing something that's only a week long or two weeks long you can wing it and be be a bit crap on some of them but for something that's 14 weeks in the end it took me i think then it's you got to you got to be on your a game every day which is exhausting so much to think of and then as far as overall mileage is concerned over the course of the 105 days how much did you swim how far did you cycle and how far did you run and then looking at your nutrition how many calories would you have had to consume each day in order to make this possible oh i haven't i haven't added it all up but someone's clever at maths can do it basically times about 100 and a bit so what 240 miles swim 11 nearly 12,000 miles on the bike and uh yeah what, what's 2,700 on the run in a three-month period yeah i've actually not it really i've really is. not thought about that that's too terrifying <laughs> best i uh yeah calories was eight eight thousand calories a day roughly give or take and i was pretty good i'm really happy with my nutrition hydration strategies um i only lost three kgs in the three months and i lost them a kg a month that was pretty gradual i expected to lose more uh, and i hoped to lose less i i but i and i didn't go in heavy you know because there's a the theory of oh you're going to lose so much weight you you know go into it heavy so you've got weight to lose but oh, i just don't run well heavy and you just increase your r risk of injury you know if you're four kgs heavier which you, like, i could have been at the start you know every step you take it's 12 15 kgs extra on your knees and i didn't want that i sort of was like right let me just nail the hydration and the nutrition from day one and go in at a good weight i knew i'd lose some so i went in at 70 kg i'm um, 68 is probably a good weight for me i went down to 67 just under 66.8 or 9 i think was the lightest and I didn't feel great at that weight. I felt great at 68. Um, and yeah, annoyingly, that last kg, yeah, I sort of really felt it. Well, you mentioned there one of the things that you have to keep on top of is your sleep. Now, in advance of this interview, I emailed you and in the email I said that I was a triathlete myself. Now, nothing in your field at all. I tend to focus on the short course or sprint distance triathlons. But what I find is the night before and certainly the night after a triathlon, I tend to be quite wired. My nervous system is all switched on and I find it difficult to settle down and go to sleep. I was just wondering in your situation, whenever you're doing a triathlon a long distance, triathlon every single day that involves exercising for 14 15 hours per day how are you managing to sleep each night 
because sleep and recovery is absolutely crucial. Yeah, the first week, two weeks was horrendous. Um, you know, I keep saying it, but it's that, it's that classic Mike Tyson quote, which is everyone has a plan until I punch him in the face or something like that. And um, yeah, it was it was I went in under under fit uh, due to illness. So I was a bit frustrated there. So, you know, I was probably at 75% of where I was hoping to be for the start, which is really quite far down. Um, and and, and it, it showed, if you look at my figures, day one was always going to be okay because you're fresh. And then day two and three, just it was, I nearly missed the 17-hour cutoff. It was a struggle. I've had knee niggles, uh, ankle niggles, shin niggles. Uh, my sleeping, my average heart rate overnight because I was wearing a whoop, um, was 89. You know, that's not, that's crazy high. Yeah, I mean, my body was in such shock. Um, so yeah, I managed to get through that week and then it slowly settled. You know, I, I was getting hot sweats, like like dripping wet, had a, slept on a towel for the first 25 days, 30 days, just really high heart rate, dripping, like just horrible i think it was just lots of cortisol in my system um not getting enough sleep not recovering enough still fighting in my head whether this was achievable you know whether i was able to even do this challenge uh and then once i kind of reached day 35 day 40 then yeah maybe even yeah definitely 35 i suddenly i did two things one is i got rid of my daily physio in favor of sleep um because i it was taking an hour of my day and i just like inherently just thought i i think an hour's more sleep is going to do me better than an hour's physio and i and it was a risk because it could have led to injury you know potentially certainly in that first couple of weeks the daily physio was very needed you know there was tightness in in tendons and muscles that had i not managed would have led to tendonitis stress fractures xyz but after around day 30 i was feeling in my groove so i got rid of the physio had an hour more sleep game changer all of a sudden my pate my you look at my times they started going a bit quicker and i was feeling better and more motivated and my mood was higher and yeah that extra hour of sleep just changed everything and it also meant i could sustain a slightly faster pace which then guaranteed me the same amount of sleep the next day and then i was on this wave you know and that was the goal because before that you know it was borderline whether i could whether i was getting enough sleep to do the same time the following day because eventually you could just get slower and slower and slower and slower and slower until you miss the cutoffs because you're just you're not recovering enough so um yeah that was that was important the sleep thing um and then once after day 30 once i was getting that sleep in my head, I was like, right, I now know, well, I, it wasn't true, but I had to make myself believe it was true that if I just turn up now, I'm at a physical condition where I know I can, I know I will finish. If I just turn up, trust the system, don't crash on the bike and don't get COVID and let's hope no one in my immediate family dies in a car crash. You know, those, I knew I could finish it, you know, and I think that attitude in my head probably reduced my cortisol levels made me less stressed and then i started sleeping way way better from then on and and that that helped um 
that helped things and 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 then also little things like i was you know i, I was umming and ahhing between ice baths and hot baths and eventually i chose the hot the heat over the cold in recovery uh, and that was i'd get into bed with no muscle ache because of the hot bath uh, really helped really really helped and and um and it, it, it's it's sort of lots of people have worked this out before me really and i but in my head i was like, oh let me try maybe they're wrong They've, a lot of the the people who do deckers and double deckers they'll swear by a hot bath at the end of the day over a cold one um so yeah it was um doing lots of those little things eventually got me to a place where i knew that actually it was sustainable and that was you know such a nice place to be in my head um believing it even though it was not true because so much stuff could still go wrong uh but at least the the part of my brain that said you've got this was feeling good and uh, that that's super important even if you lie to yourself i'm keen to get into that mind of yours i'm so fascinated by people who engage in pushing the boundaries of what people think is physically possible and i suppose i'm just wondering does the mind supersede physicality does the mind facilitate things being physically possible or is it the doing of an action that then further persuades the mind that a physical feat is possible in the first place which comes first or which is more important do you think uh, they're both equally important you can't you've got to be on your a game on both you know and i wasn't on my a, my a game on the physical because I, I was ill i even delayed the start by a week because of chest infection uh the whole of january this year i was ill with with three different um colds uh that i got from the kids at school and um yeah so you know my, my head's always been good because i tell myself I put systems in place that make me believe that it's a done deal before I start. So for example, I printed numbers up to 123 because in my head, I'm like, oh, of course I'm going to do this. And also I'm going to carry on because I'm going to feel so good. So I might as well print the numbers now, you know? <laughs> so I had race caps and uh, race numbers and swim caps up to 123. And uh, again, that was just a little, little cheat brain cheat in, for me going, well, of course I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it so well, I'm going to carry on. And then just really having everything that I do that was difficult and non-negotiable in 105 days, not once, not once did I wake up and go, oh, I don't want to do this. Not once. My alarm went off at 4.29 every day. And I was like, well, well I, this is when I get up because if I don't, it's game over. Like, it's, it was a non-negotiable, like brushing your teeth or putting your clothes on when you leave home, you know, like or lock your, your front door. It's just you just do it right you don't question brushing your teeth every day um and and that's what i did i made everything a non-negotiable and uh when it's a non-negotiable you sort of don't get stressed out about it you know i'm you know do you get stressed out about not going to the moon no i don't because i know i'll never go so it's like well it's just not in it's not in my realm of life so i'm not going to get stressed out about not going to the moon um and it's the same with this i'm not going to get stressed out about waking up and having to do a a full iron because it's just what I have to do. Like, it's just my job. Like, and that's how I treated it. And that really helped. And, and yes, you know, you were sort of asking whether the brain makes the body perform better and elsewhere. They both work together. Yes. When I was down on pace, I struggled a little bit in my head because I wanted the chase and I liked being faster today than yesterday. Uh, and then also equally on a day 
when I knew Caroline was struggling with the boys or one of the boys was ill and, you know, wanted their daddy and I wasn't around. Yeah, I performed slightly worse. And that's, you know, I knew that would happen. And it's just how much would that have affected me? And luckily, yes, I was slower on those sort of days when my head wasn't in the game as much. Uh, but I was still fast enough. So that that was all that matters as long as I, for me, 14 hours was was a was a, a good time to sustain every day and some days I was a bit quicker and some days I was slower but luckily I was never much slower than 15 hours once I hit I can't remember the 30s or 40s I, I think from a physical perspective you showed an extraordinary durability over the 105 days and we can touch upon your durability secrets if we can but around about day 60 you experienced a debilitating hip injury that really could have derailed your objective entirely i want to know how did you manage to get through that period that physical pain what exactly are you saying to yourself in your mind when you're in that pain when you're immersed in it and and especially when you're running yeah so there's two two types of pain for me one is pain that's just pain you know so a blister for example i i got very few blisters i never get blisters actually i even when i ran the length of britain 1000 miles didn't get a blister uh my technique's pretty good i've worked really hard on my technique with a guy called Shane Benzi uh who wrote a really good book called the lost art of running he went out into kenya and just was like why are these guys so good where they're plant- planting their planting their feet in relation to their body how are they you know they're running with their arms if you ask any kenyan where you, where their waist is they'll tell you it's up by their ribs you know that's where so that's where you run from that's where you pivot up by your ribs so you know there's a lot of you know i worked with him and he he filmed me and put sensors on me and it turns out i was pretty good anyway i mean he looked at me as like, actually to be fair you've done a lot of running so you would have naturally progressed to a pretty good technique anyway um and i had a, what what i do have is i i break with my right foot a bit bit too much so i'm sort of planting rather than pushing through i'm sort of stopping i'm not heel striking but i could do with pulling my right leg through a little bit quicker and maybe that was the start of this hip thing so you know so back to the pain thing so the, the, yeah there's two types of pains one is just pain that's pain blisters is a good example you know the other one is cramp and things like that uh and then another pain is a pain that will potentially lead to a dnf and just to clarify that DNF is an abbreviation of does not finish. In other words, you have to withdraw. Does not finish, yeah, for me. So for me, what will DNF me on this? And I think about that that right at the beginning. You know, illness, tragedy, family tragedy, uh, getting run over on the bike, um, injury, XYZ, World War III. <laughs> I had a whole long list of them. <laughs> some of them I can control, some of them I can't. Uh, like World War Three, like that was a genuine thing that was on my list. I was like, well, what if we go into war? Like, you know, and we, or, or COVID comes again, and I'm, we're locked down. Um, and then, yeah. So, I, 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 again, another one of my strong points, I guess, is is I micromanage these this pain because you're right. Every day something hurts. On the swim, your shoulders hurt. On the bike, things hurt depending on on what's going on. Like your neck might hurt one day. Your wrists from being on the hoods or you know your lower back um ankles knees not so much on the bike though that was probably the easiest one from a pain point of view and then the run just everything hurts 
and you just got I, I micro manage everything as soon as i feel the smallest little thing i go right have i been here before in life yes right i know that that there is a tight this and i stretch that and i put a tennis ball here and i get the massage gun and i get the roller and and right okay well i know that fixes that cool we're good um and sometimes those take a week to iron themselves out and then other times i got a new one and i was like whoa this is this is new now I've not had this one before so i'd speak to my physio and then he would say right well let's tape this and let's put that there and let's do the stretch and let's release this um and i get it done early early on you know within the first 10 15 minutes of feeling it you know if i have a grain of sand in between my toes i'm i don't i never go ah oh, i'd be fine it's never fine so shoe off sock off get that out carry on you know if i feel slight rubbing on my heel uh there's a couple of times where i got a heel blister and a bit on my toe especially if i hadn't cut my toenails um early enough you know sometimes you leave it for a day longer than it needs to then you know you've got that little extra tenth of a millimeter growth with which then pushes your toe a little bit further down to the bottom of your foot even though it's hardly anything but it's now the point at which skin touches your shoe and you start getting a blister and yeah, it's just about it nailing everything early, 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 early on. And then once you know that it's just pain, you just deal with it. I very rarely took heavy, or I actually took no no um, prescription pain medicines, nothing, because I was too scared of that. I took paracetamol now and then, um, and then I did take ibuprofen again, very rarely. But the problem with ibuprofen is it masks the pain. So what what I would do is my technique would just tank because I couldn't feel my feet as much because they were sort of a bit numb from the pain, from the pain relief. And then I'd wake up the next day with really bruised um, pads on my feet, the front, especially the front, because I was just slapping. I'd be running a bit quicker because I, oh, I feel good. So I was slapping and it was just, it never worked. So on those days where maybe I was thinking about doing the ibuprofen, uh, which again was rare, but I was like, in my head, I was like, right, well, the hip is really painful now. So do I deal with the hip pain now and then be I know my technique's at least gonna be okay? Uh and I'm not gonna run too hard on it. Or do I sort of take the pain relief for the hip and then potentially it gets worse because I run too hard on it? Or I pick up something else in my ankle again because I'm running too hard. But then the flip side is also if you feel the pain in your hip that in itself can change your technique, which can lead to something else as well. So there there was a bit of a balance there. But for the most part, I just dealt with the pain and just kind of just just is what it is. I've felt it before. It's nothing new. <laughs> Been doing this for 12 years. So I thought, well, this is this is actually not as bad as that time I got chased by tornadoes in America or <laughs> so you got my my sort of my bar was quite high, I guess, as it were. Okay, so just so as I can understand, it's familiarity with discomfort and then managing that discomfort and mitigating that discomfort, both physically and mentally. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Managing it and trying to work out whether it's going to lead to something long term or something where I have to like DNF or makes me so slow that I'd miss the cutoff. Uh, and again, you just might. And, and what can fix it? Is taping going to fix it? Is stretching going to fix it? Is an ice bath going to fix it? Is a hot bath going to fix it? Is is hydration fixing it? So hydration fixes not a lot, but it can take away a lot of the the 
those tension pains because you're just dehydrated. So you just, you know, have some electrolytes, drink more, drink more water. And sometimes that can fix that one. Not, not always, but it can certainly, if you're starting to feel a bit rubbish and you, and you, and you are dehydrated when you hydrate, it sometimes will kind of get rid of it. So at this stage, we are now three weeks removed from the end of your 105 long distance triathlons in 105 days. How are you feeling at this point? Because I hardly think that you've recovered even after three weeks. No, the first week I felt good, actually. The first couple of days I was like, actually, I feel great. What's going on? And then I think like it was the third or fourth day, all of a sudden my body was realized it's over and I just... And that was hard. And then I thought the graph would be tank, feel really bad, and then slowly feel better. But actually, it was the other way around. I actually started to feel worse and worse and worse up until last week. And last week was really bad. Um, my hip issues come back. So it sort of got better, and now it's come back. So that's frustrating. Uh I think it's a technique thing. So I've been getting, I've been riding my bike again with some of the regulars, uh, and I, I, yeah, it's definitely I'm doing something on the bike that's using this front high up muscle quad muscle instead of engaging a bit of hamstring and glute. Uh, so I need to work on that somehow, uh, which is very frustrating. So yeah, no, it's it's been terrible. I'm just exhausted the whole time. I, even though I'm sleeping okay, I've started yoga, which I've never done before. And I, I, uh, I poo pooed yoga for a long time. And you know, I'm eating my, I'm, you know, eating my own words now because really it's been revolutionary. I get up at 5 30 in the morning, um, and do half an hour of yoga and then have another half hour of just chill time before the kids wake up. And oh, I love it. Yeah, I'm hooked now. Cause as I said earlier, I've crap at it and I've, hate being crap at something so now i'm like brilliant let's go right and uh but i'm doing the classic you know male athlete thing of like right what's the longest yoga it's like three hours of yoga right just go on that one <laughs> it's just, just that doesn't work half an hour is good enough for me you know for now while i work on my poses so uh I have to say that last year I did some hot yoga yeah. and uh, possibly the listeners uh, have engaged in hot yoga too and I found it was terrific. Now you do sweat profusely yeah. but you do really feel like you're getting a workout and uh, getting a good stretch into those sore muscles. Yeah, I have I, I have a sauna at home. It's not, probably not big enough to do any yoga in annoyingly but uh, it's... Uh... Yeah, I, uh, I will... Uh, yeah, I don't think there's anywhere near me that does it unfortunately uh, and I'm not... I'm not traveling to a gym to do hot yoga. It's just doesn't, it's not my style. I, I want to do it when I do it. You know, I want to be quite spontaneous. So I try and do everything at home. So at home I have a Watt bike and I have a treadmill, I have a little mini bench with some weights. Uh, even though I don't do a lot of strength training, I probably should, but I, I, this, I find it boring. Um, I'd rather just go out for a run. Uh, but maybe this is why I've got my, my hip issues to be fair. Uh, so maybe, I need to work on that a little bit. Well, I know I need to work on that, but the yoga thing at home, yeah, I'm really I'm actually quite enjoying it. As we said, right now you're still going through your recovery, but looking ahead to the future, are there any particular challenges that you would love to get your teeth into? Oh yeah, loads, but they're all top secret. 
course. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it'd be this was three, three and a half months away from well, not away, but you know, leaving Caroline to do, you know, probably a tougher job than me. You know, the joke was when I get home from this, she's going to announce her attempt at 106 for lions because <laughs> she, uh, I think, yeah, she had a real, real tough time solo parenting, and yeah. Big fair play to anyone out there who's solo parenting. It's it's really hard, and um, yeah, I think if if I said I was going to do anything that was longer than a week, I think the divorce papers would come through the door. And already was seeing, you know, flyers in the kitchen for, you know, handsome pool boys, and we don't have a pool, so there was a, <laughs> a little, little worry there. But uh, we, uh, yeah, I, I, what I'm what I really want to do, and I've just never. I've never managed to find satisfaction in shorter races, um, like hundred k's and stuff runs and x y. Shorter hundreds, yeah. hundreds shorter. My well, it, God, <laughs> for me it is. You know, like well for you, yes, a, for you, it's, yes. It's just like a one day thing, and <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. I'm slow. I've signed up for a hundred k ultra at the end of September, and I've signed up for the across Scotland two hundred and fifteen mile run next August, and I actually am quite excited about that. You know, I've, I've. I've only ever done three one-day events. I did the London Marathon for the Scouts. I did a 50k ultra a couple of years ago, uh, and I've done a Tough Mudder, and that's been it really. Um, other than my training, obviously my training, I'll go and run, whatever, and that'll be a day event. But uh, mostly everything I've done has been back-to-backs, and I, I've, it's very few things less than a week that I've done really. I, I think seven days, eight days, nine. So, I, I, from running across Iceland might have been the shortest thing I've done when it comes to sort of a back-to-back. And uh, yeah, I, I I love those ones. I get a big kick out of all aspects of doing multi-day stuff. Um, but I am quite excited about this 100k in the Lake District and this across Scotland. I've put myself on the wait list for the Strath Puffer mountain bike, 24-hour mountain bike in Scotland in January, which is epic. It's always sold out early on, but I'm just hoping someone drops out. So my, my name's on that. Uh, and I am quite excited. So, what? Yeah, I think I'll I'll be doing a lot more one day things. Uh, I'd like to do a couple of triple, triple full distances, uh, continuous ones. So there's two types of of multi day irons, which is the one a day, which is what I did, or the the continuous, where it's all of the distances in one go. So a triple would be a seven point five mile swim, a three hundred thirty mile ride, and then a seventy five mile run at the end. And I think I, that excites me because it wouldn't be a huge job block of time away from the family. Uh, and I feel it's a, it's still long enough for me to be competitive because all the other stuff, I'm, I'm probably a bit too slow. If you put me up in an Ironman, I could maybe do a sub 10, maybe 9.45. Well, still respectable times, to be fair. <laughs> well, it's respectable, but like respectable is not my business. <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't excite me, being respectable. What? I want to, you know, I want to do good. I want my kids to be like, wow, dad, you were the best at something. And you, I'm, I, you were I'm not respectable, sorry. dad. You were not respectable. That's the takeaway that from this this podcast. Sean Conway does not want to be respectable. 
<laughs> Before I let you go, Sean, because time is running short uh, on us today, uh, can we talk about uh, the charity that you uh, chose in order to uh, raise money in relation to the 105 and 105 days? Uh, can you give us uh, the website? Can people still donate? Because I know that people have been uh, bidding for your bike and buying your swim caps, etc. So can you give us some information? Yeah, there? absolutely. I raised money for True Venture Foundation, which entirely fo- focuses on youth sport trying to keep kids into sport, get them into sport outside of school. You know, the figures are pretty low uh, on on kids' participa- participation in sport outside of school. I think it's at like 39% of kids do sport outside of school, you know, and it should be, I mean, it should be 100%, but obviously that's unrealistic. But, you know, it should be at 70, 70%, I think. And uh, yeah, and we, we, we're trying to put money in, into clubs. So there'll be a, a youth grant, a youth sport grant application process soon. So there'll be a bit of money that we'll give to young potential athletes and they can just apply through trueventure.org.uk. Um, and that's just, it's just money. So if you need money to drive to events, for, you know, if your parents need some petrol money to take you all over the country to compete, you can apply for it and, and True Venture will pay for it. So it's really good. And then we'll have a whole separate set of grants available for clubs so if you are running a triathlon club um and mostly here initially it's in north wales where i'm from so you know if if you are outside of north wales and at the moment the funding's not available but it will be soon once we kind of raise a bit more money um but yeah clubs volunteers who want to put on events for the youth youth sports definitely get in touch with true venture and and anyone who wants to support youth sport here in north wales initially especially at the moment um yeah please you know spare spare some change if you've got any link to wales and you want to see some more welsh people in the olympics <laughs> pretty underrepresented uh represented um yeah please spare spare some change that'd be uh, much appreciated well sean without doubt you have made your contribution sean conway adventurer extraordinaire thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the happy habit podcast today and uh, can i take this opportunity to wish you all the very best with your future adventures and hopefully your recovery goes well in the next few weeks yeah thanks mate catch you soon cheers well thank you for listening to this edition of the happy habit podcast if you're enjoying tuning in please like subscribe share and leave us a positive review it helps us out immensely until next time stay happy